From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus Weekend, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. In Selma this weekend, the annual Bridge Crossing Jubilee is being held, marking the 58th anniversary of the Bloody Sunday March for Voting Rights. President Joe Biden will be in Selma and will join the annual march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, tracing the steps of civil rights leaders Martin Luther King Jr. and John Lewis. This event is being held less than two months after a deadly tornado struck the Queen City, devastating homes and forcing many to seek shelter and food elsewhere. My first guest is working hard to not only help Selma rebuild, but build back better. Last month, I spoke with Congresswoman Terry Sewell when she was visiting Selma about how recovery is happening in the city. Congresswoman Terry Sewell, thank you so much for joining us today from the Selma Interpretive Center. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. You have really been busy since the January 12th tornado hit Selma, the EF2. Can you tell me what you've been doing to help the people of Selma? Well, you know, I arrived um, into Birmingham Airport at 2 p.m. the day of the storms, January 12th. And to say the least, my phone was abuzz with text messages and calls regarding the tornado. And as you know, Selma is not only in my district, it's my beloved hometown, And so I proceeded to immediately drive to Selma, Alabama. By the time I got to Selma, as I proceeded across the Edmund Pettus Bridge at dusk, it was dark, just every street after street dark and every street full of devastation. And my heart just sank. But since then, we've been working with local officials, the mayor, the city council, county commission, the EMA director for Dallas County and the state EMA as well as working with state officials, um, the governor and the governor's office has been just tremendous, trying to make sure that we get the resources we need so that my constituents can get the disaster assistance that they require and that the city can try to build back better, can really get to the recovery and, and rebuild stage. So I'm in Selma today, had a really successful meeting with the city council and the mayor regarding the most recent order from the federal government I led a letter with other members of the Alabama congressional delegation, as well as our senators, asking President Biden to give us additional resources, 100 percent federal match for all the public assistance that's needed instead of the 75 percent match, which was the standard. As you can imagine, Selma could not afford the 25 percent local match. And it was imperative if we were to get recovery under the way and get the debris removed and try to build back better that we have 100 percent federal participation. And so I want to thank the president and the governor and everybody who helped to make that happen and just elated that we have 100 percent federal match for the debris removal. Congresswoman Sewell, you're looking around at the job to be done, and it is huge. So can you tell me what the time frame is for this debris removal? 100% can be for a, a period of 30 days that the state, the governor, and the state EMA director determine. So I think that people will start seeing the debris removed that's in the right of way. All the contractors wanted to be assured that they were going to get paid, and now that we've gotten the assurance that there's going to be 100% reimbursement from the federal government, I believe we'll start to see uh, those big piles of debris removed. You know, I think that 
it's going to take a while. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. You know, I think that the biggest thing for individual assistance at this point is for folks to know that the deadline to file with FEMA, to register with FEMA, is March 16th. And while we've gotten a lot registered already, we still have a lot more that need to be registered. And so I just want your listening audience to know that they can register for FEMA by calling FEMA's 1-800 number or visiting one of the disaster recovery sites in Selma or going online to FEMA.gov. Our operations manager here at Troy Public Radio, Kyle Gassett, has been in Selma reporting for NPR on the situation. And, of course, everyone is talking about building back Selma. He's also hearing about bridging the racial divide. This is an opportunity. How do you see that? I absolutely. You know, out of the ashes come this opportunity to reimagine my hometown, Selma, Alabama, and to build it back better. And no part of our community should be left out of that process of long-term recovery and rebuild. And so I think this is a perfect opportunity for Selma to unite, all of Selma to unite around one specific purpose, and that is the purpose of bettering our city and making sure that it is there for future generations. All of us are vested in that front, and I look forward to having a series. I'm going to host a series of community conversations over the next few months with every facet of the community in Selma as we try to build a long-term recovery plan and then execute that plan by applying for state and federal grants and other opportunities that can help us rebuild Selma. Speaking of opportunities, I recently talked with a member of the Selma Dallas County Historic Preservation Society about the buildings that were affected, the historic buildings. There is a $750,000 grant from the National Park Service for the restoration of the historic Tabernacle Baptist Church in Selma. Were you instrumental in getting that grant? Well, Obviously, I advocate for all of my constituents, and I'm particularly proud of the fact that my office and uh, with my support that the National Park Service and the Department of Interior has seen the need for historic preservation of historic churches. So, yes, the $750,000 for the historic tabernacle just was announced, but we also will announce soon a $1.5 million grant for the historic Brown Chapel AME Church. And this is the second grant that will go to Brown Chapel. And, you know, it's a wonderful way for us to preserve the history for future generations and at the same time acknowledge that these churches that were part of history are living, breathing testament to the fight and struggle for equality and justice for all. The Selma Bridge Crossing Jubilee is getting underway, so what will you be doing with the Jubilee? I will be inviting um, a host of my colleagues from Congress, a bipartisan delegation, through the Faith and Politics Institute to tour Birmingham, Montgomery, and of course Selma. And I look forward to having my colleagues visit my hometown and see the devastation firsthand as I ask them to appropriate more money to assist in the disaster recovery for Selma. And and I think that this is a great opportunity for us to do just that. So I'll be hosting a delegation, a bipartisan delegation of members of Congress to come to the district and to Selma. You serve on the House Armed Services Committee. Is there any update you want to give the listeners on the F-35, which is being named in honor of the Tuskegee Airmen and based here in Alabama? 
Well, I'm excited about the F-35 project. That was a project that myself and former Congresswoman Martha Roby were able to deliver for the state of Alabama. And we look forward to um, the F-35s coming straight to Montgomery Danley Field and the 187th Air National Guard, the fighter wing, also known as Red Tails, uh, to be able to have the most up-to-date, latest and greatest fighter jet that we have in our fleet. So I'm really excited about that project. Well, finally, Congresswoman Sewell, at this point, are you optimistic that we can build back Selma? I am optimistic. I'm always a a glass half full kind of girl. Hope does always spring eternal. But I do believe that with 100 percent federal cost share and with the cooperation that I've seen with the city and the state and the county and federally, Working together, we will rebuild Selma back better, and we will use this tragedy and make it the opportunity that it is to really restore Selma and restore it better. Is there anything else you want your listeners in Alabama, Florida, and Georgia to know? That we're Selma strong. That means that our district is a resilient district. The city of Selma in Dallas County brought us the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And that Selma Strong does mean that that resilience would lead to uh, rebuilding, and we will rebuild this beautiful historic city back better. Thank you so much for your visit today by Skype. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share what I did share. That was Congresswoman Terry Sewell, who represents Alabama's 7th District. I spoke with Congresswoman Sewell last month when she was visiting Selma after a deadly tornado struck the city and other parts of the state. This weekend, Sewell will join President Biden and other delegates in Selma to mark the anniversary of the 1965 Bloody Sunday March for voting rights across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Coming up in the second half of the show, we speak with another native of Selma, author Willie Mae Brown. Her memoir, My Selma, shares her story of growing up with historic moments in civil rights happening all around her. That's just ahead. Stay tuned. From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus Weekend. I'm Carolyn Hutchison. And now we visit with artist Willie Mae Brown, author of the book My Selma, True Stories of a Southern Childhood at the Height of the Civil Rights Movement. Willie Mae Brown, thank you so much for joining us by Skype from Brooklyn, New York. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You lived in Selma as a 12-year-old for a few years. Your family had a farm, and your father, who worked on the railroad, was generous in sharing his produce with people in need. He did. There are a lot of people who didn't have much. Jobs were scarce, and also we were dealing with a segregated city, and so we had to help people 
there were places in Alabama and in Selma agencies that would give out staples and cheese and rice and things like that. At the time, there was no welfare, but people did small jobs and they lived and we helped them. They had savings or they had a crop. That's how they made it. But my father had a farm and he was very generous with helping people out and waiting until they had enough money just to pay him back. And you were baptized by Reverend F.D. Reese, pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church. Yeah. He was also president of the Dallas County Voters League and a key figure in Dr. Martin Luther King's coming to Selma. Yes, he was. Some members of the black population were skeptical about Dr. King coming into Selma. Why? Well, because these people in Selma... They had had a time when people talked too much. People went to the police and reported things, or they gave them information about another person of color. And they really did not understand how this would upend them. They were comfortable being in the hell that they were in, and it was no problem with them. We can get by, they will say, and we don't know who he is and what he's trying to do. And he should take himself back to Atlanta where he came from and stop stirring up a mess here. They didn't understand because they were not educated as to what this movement was going to be like. And they had listened to another race of people that made them do whatever they wanted them to do. They were afraid. People are afraid. There are a lot of things that they just do. They don't think. So they wanted to be comfortable where they were. We're okay. We don't need anybody else. But Dr. King changed that. You actually heard Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speak. You and your mother went to Brown Chapel AME Church. What was that experience like? It was breathtaking. Literally, it took my breath. It shook me to see this individual, Dr. King, walk on stage and just raise his hand so that the people would rest and sit down and listen to what he had to say before he left the church. The passion behind it, the jubilant dancing, shouting for him to be there was just fit for a king. They shouted his name. I didn't know it was him. I knew I was going to see a preacher preach, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be with my sister and her boyfriend. And I was taken when he walked on stage. He was not that tall, but he was a giant. And when he walked in, my mother, she was holding me, you know, asking me to sit down. And she finally got me to sit down. And we were right there in front of him. It wasn't the television anymore. It wasn't the radio anymore. He was in front of me. And we had seen Dr. King and Jose and a lot of other people from different organizations in the streets, but they were busy and we were children and we were told, you know, just don't bother them because they're working. And we just kept going. But to see him in front of me that night with the power that was behind him and all of those people that was packed, I thought nothing else could be better than that. And my mother was crying. And as she cried, her her tears fell into my head and my hair. It was just a night that was 
You, you just cannot replace it. You said after he left that those in attendance sang, We Shall Overcome. Were you singing with them? Of course. You knew the position to take, which was to lock arms. And there were some white people there that had locked arms. And we were all locked together because it was unity. And when you have unity in people of the same mind, you can create anything and you can stop anything. And then on March 7th of 1965, 600 marchers left the church for Montgomery. Mm -hmm. How emotional was that for you? It was emotional, but it, it wasn't as exciting as when I saw him in church. It was like, now we get to work. I didn't go, my brother and my sister went. I had a position to man the phones, and that was the most important thing I ever had in my life, is to sit by that large black phone and wait until somebody called me, and hopefully they were not in trouble. I want you to share a passage that illustrates what all of this was about. Yes, page 212, and my father is speaking to my brother. Now, Maine, don't mention this to your mama. What I told you is between us. There's a war going on in Selma, as well as one across the water in Nam. You and me been riding around Selma since you were four years old. I wrestled you from Kate when you were six. And at seven, you could drive a tractor. You know me better sometimes than your mama does. What's happening here in Selma, Maine, is going to change the world. Men are fighting each other for freedom, for mental and physical slavery. They don't want to be slaves anymore. They don't want to have that thought in their head. And we are not free yet. A lot of us going to get hurt or die. Women and children fighting too. This is big. You have captured a moment in our nation's history that was described as a crossroads. What do you see in Selma now? Selma has been through so many things, but I believe and I see a vision of a new one, a new Selma. We had a tornado and it tore down and flattened a lot of buildings, but whites and blacks have joined together to help each other. And they are looking towards a Selma that will have its own industry. I think most of them feel the way I do, that the tornado may have been a blessing, a new start for new people to live there and enjoy this most incredible place where a fight was fought nonviolently on one part and violence on the other. And we've learned so much. And I think this time we'll give more respect to a place that is responsible for the 1964-65 Civil Rights Bill. And we fought that right there in Selma. It was a good fight. And I love Selma. It has been a joy to talk with you. Thank you, Willie Mae Brown. And thank you so much for having me. Joining us by Skype was Willie Mae Brown, artist and author of the book, My Selma, True Stories of a Southern Childhood at the Height of the Civil Rights Movement. Thanks for joining us for In Focus Weekend. You can hear our show each weekend at this time and over the noon hour each weekday on Troy Public Radio. 
And In Focus is also a podcast, which is available at NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, wishing you a great weekend from Troy Public Radio.